0: Hello, Rachel.
1: Hi, Ryan. How are you doing? Uh, okay.
0: Just okay, but Rachel, we got a lot of Jared Harris chest hair action in this episode. I thought that would make you very excited. I already know who you, th- you thought was yum yum in this episode, because you saw that chest hair shining in the light in that scene, and I saw you licking your lips, saying, Mmm, now that's a hot piece of yum-yum right there. I saw it. Everyone? Rachel's gone silent because she can't vocally admit it, but she can with her eyes, and only I can see those eyes right now. We are the Yum-Yum Podcast, a podcast of a... Husband and wife team, how long will we still be married by, uh, well, we'll see how it goes by the end of this podcast, because Rachel's now giving me the frowny looks for mentioning the Jared Harris chest hair, uh, who go through sci-fi TV, we watch episodes of science fiction television, we talk about it, and today we have convened here to discuss what show, Rachel? What one are we watching? The Expanse. Oh, and have we have uh, have we watched this before? Are we are we going through a rewatch? Are we are we no. going through? No, no, no. Uh, have you not seen this before?
1: We are both watching it for the first time. You've watched the first six or so episodes mm. of the show way back when when it first came out. Don't remember much. Nope. But we're. Pretty much at the end of that, of the point of Ryan saw it a long time ago and he remembers some things Mm. Um, and we will both be brand new to each episode of The Expanse together.
0: Yes, and we watched uh, a certain episode of The Expanse today and it was called Rock Bottom. Tonight on Rock Bottom. We go undercover at a sex farm for sex hookers. I keep telling you, I just grow sorghum here. Uh Uh-huh. And where are the hookers? Round back. Oops. A very simple description for a very, uh, complicated and nuanced episode. Here it goes. Holden's team makes an uneasy alliance with Fred Johnson, while Miller fights for his life against Anderson Dawes thugs. There you go. That is the description. And uh, as stated, this is something that I, I may have seen back in the day, but I do not remember this at all. This was all new information, all new scenes to me, and definitely all new for you. So uh, let's go through our quick fire thoughts, our first impressions. We just finished watching the episode about 15 Excuse minutes me. ago and oh oh, sorry, you want to know who I thought was yum-yum in the episode? Do you? Sure. I can't hear you. Sure. Oh, she sounds happy. Mm, ecstatic. Of course, I found Fred Johnson to be the sexiest. He was so in charge, so, so good. Although, um, Uh, erin wright did say squeeze berries and that got me a bit turned on myself so it's actually a competition between these two men but reflecting amos Amos or Amos. They pronounce it both ways in this show. They're fast and loose with the pronunciation of words in this show. <laughs> Amos. I, was, I, I, used to sh- I, I used to stress about how I pronounce characters' names, and now I know that every actor pronounces it differently, and so I feel content in not having to stress about it as much. If the cast and crew aren't stressing about it as much as I am, then I'm okay. Uh, but... Amos was very sexy in this episode, but he was sexy in a different way. I felt sad for him in this episode, which doesn't make me feel sexy. I felt, oh, poor Amos, that poor boy. He he's hurt. He, he, has feelings now, and they're hurt. But I, I actually did find Fred Johnson to be very sexy. I just think that actor has such a presence, such a voice. I could not stop hanging off every word he said, even when it was noticeably ADR'd. I couldn't stop hanging off of them. And that's the reason, like, he's such a nuanced voice, I could tell when it was recorded later just because it was a different microphone. But that's me being an audio boy now having done a podcast. But overall, quickfire impressions. What did you think of uh, Rock Bottom? It was good. What are your quickfire thoughts? Thumbs up. Smiley face emoji. (laughs) I liked it. I thought it was very good. I thought it did a very good job. This was a step up from where we were last week.
1: Yes, yes. It, it it's a very hectic episode. There's a lot going on, but
0: it goes smoothly. I thought this was a perfect balance of exposition giving us ongoing threads, uh, propelling forward the mysteries and giving us answers, and character moments. Deep, nuanced character moments and scenes dedicated to not just giving us more information, but actually just hanging out with people. Alex and Amos gave us backstories, but I actually just felt like, finally, I'm getting this friendship that I've been seeing in the background of scenes previously. Now it's just right up close and personal. And same with uh, Naomi and Holden connecting. and, and, And there's so many moments like that throughout this episode, as well as all of the great Stuff like, oh, we learn that this is a conspiracy that leads to this, and this person was involved in this thing. I thought this was a perfect mixture of everything we've seen thus far in The Expanse. I think this is it, it clicked into full gear, or at least a fuller gear than uh, where we've been previously. But I will agree with you, it was pretty hectic. There were a lot of things we were ping ponging to, uh, but I didn't feel lost like i did in previous ones because i actually was invested in what we were seeing
1: what god gives you the right to life's riches huh
0: you set up your zone cells where we can and cannot go you living belly full with your glass palaces while half my people are starving to death how is this justice your skinnies want to take credit for blowing up the donager we'll give you justice with both hands what are we gonna blow up your big martian worship with huh a pebbles We have some rock hoppers, Rachel, and so this is new. We haven't met these people before, or at least we may have actually met one of them before. Yeah,
1: the younger one, Mateo?
0: Yeah, I think that Mateus, Mateo, he... I think if my memory is not betraying me or I'm just mixing faces, I think he was the guy that Miller grabbed in the second episode for stealing water. I think he was that guy. Mm -hmm. I think so. His face seemed familiar. Maybe it's the actor I know, but I have a suspicion that it's him. And even if it's not him, he still does relate to... Uh, where Miller is at, because these guys are, uh, are, you know, the Belters, and they're bringing in this material to go back to the Belt to earn money, but also help benefit the rest of them. And this was such a a strange aspect of this episode. I I can't really get a grasp on why this is here. Uh, I I know that they're leaving it to make it so that the, the guy floating in space will- I imagine, connect with one of the other storylines and be picked up by somebody. But just in relation to everything else going on, this was my weak point of the episode because we're just cutting to two characters I don't know very well and they're not offering me uh, as much interesting material. They're very much giving us the the haves and have-nots again, the higher powers versus the lower powers, the... Ah, they have their boot on our neck, and we must stand up and rise. Stand up and rise. I like how it does connect to the OPA and Anderson Dawes and what he is constantly banging into Miller's head, and Miller is just not getting it. We see how this trouble that uh uh that Anderson Dawes is trying to raise is extending out to so many people across the galaxy, including these two people who we are meeting now. Uh, Diogo? Diogo? Diego? Oh, yeah? Is that the actor or the character? No, the
1: character. Uh, Mateo, I think, was the uncle.
0: Okay. Oh, yes, yes, Uh, yes. Andrew Rutilio? Okay. And am I right? Was he in the previous episode? Yeah. So he was the water thief boy. Yep. Um, He
1: was in... Uh, the big empty I That's didn't think I was we just would see comparing. that face again because honestly
0: no, I mean you know I'll give this well, a that t- was dumb okay I'll give this a tick because it made that water thief storyline that I thought was boring and silly in the second episode actually matter now because that guy came back I, I actually was going to bring this up last episode of why did we even have that there it has added nothing to anything we've watched thus far but hey here he is. He's back, and he's floating in space. Talking, we've about- been
1: introduced to the idea of the rock hoppers before, mm. um, but I think that term might be new. This episode, we did um, get explained to us the, the concept of mining asteroids, which is what they're doing, mm. um, and how it's like a necessary thing, but it's also really inefficient, so it's not very profitable. And and it's probably a, a quieter plot compared to the rest of them. Mm. It's very it's very straightforward. Whereas the other ones are involved in this greater conspiracy that is growing and growing and growing. Um this is two people on a spaceship mining an asteroid. Failing. Yeah. Uh, they fail because their net breaks, they fail because they get essentially pulled over by the coppers. Um are, Martian Border Patrol. Yep. Um, and they don't have a valid license. And then they fail at being nice to the Martians, so they fuck them over and basically leave them for dead. Yes,
0: the Martians fuck them over and leave them for dead.
1: Yeah because they say you can't go through Martian space,
0: so... Fuck you. Fuck you, you're going to run out of here, suck it. You're going to run out of fuel, maybe, doesn't matter to me, goodbye.
1: Bye. Uh, You attacked me because I tried to steal your booze. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Uh, Booze or water? I think it was water.
0: Water's very valuable. (laughs)
1: Yeah, but also... The uncle seems
0: drunk. Oh, he seems just sad and, so I'm and, like, and broken.
1: So water? Vodka? Don't know. Um, and then the uncle decides to go f- fuck it. He snaps. He snaps.
0: He's listening to the OPA gaunt belter. Who we haven't yes. seen in a while?
1: Yes, and, and that, it was.
0: Yes, he. Well, he almost said Dusters. I almost mm. heard it in his voice. But <laughs> you're right. The the uncle snaps. But I do want to point out the the OPA being played there because it ties into the Anderson Doors thing and it ties into so much. But it is definitely his dying mantra. The diatribe. The of the the rhetoric man must stand up. Then we must fight the boot is on our neck because yeah, he throws his nephew into. Uh, the void of space he puts him in he gives him a suit and says good luck uh and so his nephew is now floating in the void of space watching his uncle fly his ship right at a martian vessel he first flings the the rocks or the meteors go like the 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 thing they're mining first either breaks free or he lets it loose and it shoots at it it goes galaxy quest style where um they with the mines in that but it does tie back into the scene of we don't have any weapons i mean what can we do throw these little rocks at you and he does he does throw those little rocks at them because guess what you can and that would hurt very much what do you think of this
1: it's interesting it's another part of building the world out and highlighting the destruction that the OPA brings out, Mm. how you understand more and more why they're seen as being so dangerous, because as an audience member, you understand their ideals, but you're being told, they're bad dudes, they're bad dudes, they do bad things... They're dangerous, we need to get rid of them, we can't, like, we have to put up with them on Ceres, but on Earth, they want to eradicate them, we haven't seen really the Mar-
0: Martians' attitudes towards them as yeah. strongly. But you can
1: gather that they probably don't like them because they're un- unsettling the system. and or
0: making Mars the bad guys.
1: Mars is all about power, rigidity, control, Mm. and... That's part of what the OPA wants to upset.
0: I'm sure this will tie into something bigger and grander and more important going forward. I mean, heck, this is a character from a previous plotline I thought was the weakest in another episode, and I didn't expect him to actually come back. So here he is again, and he matters, and he's left floating in space. That's a great hook of where will he go? Who will pick him up? But in the relative terms of this singular episode... It was fine. It was fine. It wasn't it, embarrassing. It wasn't Havelock no. falling in love with a sex worker and learning no sign like Oh my episode. god. I actually took Woo-woo. a sigh I, I, I actually took a sigh of relief when uh he uh, when Miller was not saved by Havelock. I, I worried I so much. I oh, yeah. <gasps> did the same thing. We'll keep a we'll keep an eye on this rock hopper yeah. plot, but it was I don't know, I don't have many feelings about it Like I was, I'm not excited no. to see where it goes, I'm, I'm more just like, like I guess this will have to go somewhere in the story Yeah,
1: um, it's just like it's happening I I hope that it it ties back in a little bit more
0: We'll be okay We can only live so long With a boot to our necks, Sasaki okay? Uncle Mateo You don't need to do this We'll be okay. We do get our girl, Chris Jen, Chrissy. Mm-hmm. She's here. We missed her so much last episode, and she's back again now, only in a handful of scenes. Wheeling but... and
1: dealing. But oh my god, I loved, I loved that. Like she's out at the aquarium doing this, like with
0: her grandchild.
1: With her grandchild. I mean, we get a little bit. Uh, of law, which we'll get into.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But what I want to note is that this dude, the dude that has the spy that she wants access
0: to, yeah, right? Carlos, I think yeah. his name was or something like that.
1: He is not blindsided by her wheeling and dealing, like the other guy was it's just like you invited me out you're gonna grift for something
0: he's more appalled that she just goes direct she's rather like, than oh. all of the games and the smoke screens and all of that nah,
1: he's. she's just like i don't have time for
0: that and another on another day maybe but not today yeah she's at the aquarium with her grandson and she's talking to this gentleman and she's doing the politician thing, she's trying to grease the wheels because he has a spy inside of Fred Johnson's operation, and it is very difficult to get an insider when it comes to Fred Johnson, because Fred Johnson is this very big figure, as we've been told, but a very hard one to pin down and and get to. He's all the way out there, he's this decorated war hero, but now he's uh, a pillar of the OPA, earth obviously has hatred he and redemption he wa- as
1: christian points out
0: well that's yeah yeah he's seeking redemption if that's true at all and uh because even she doesn't believe that she just says like that's his motus operandi like that's yeah. what he's going for but pff, come on oh,
1: yeah i i thought it, she was like that's what is motivating him, but it's a stupid motivation because
0: he's with the OPA, yeah.
1: But like, but also, like, um, I don't think she thinks that he can undo what he did, slash, what he did wasn't
0: wrong, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, Chris Jen wants this spy, and we know that there's one in there, but this guy isn't going to risk that, because it's not worth all of this. Uh, whatever she's wanting, it isn't good enough to expose the spy, because, like mentioned, it's very, very difficult to get one in there, and this man's looking after his man on the inside. He's He's all worried about that. And so... Christian does what she needs to do. She drops the, I'm being a nice politician, or I'm being someone who's using all of these euphemisms, or I'm the polite grandmother. She just blackmails him. I will fuck up your family's life, all right? You've got this guy. He's going to come out of jail soon. Guess what? I could ruin that for you if you don't do what I want, or I could make it easier for you if you do exactly what I want, and... I really loved how the the grandson heard some of this and he asked a question about, like, what's sheep dipping? and, uh, and
1: <laughs> She sent him away to go get ice cream.
0: Oh, her acting is so great because you see her turn on, and it's very false, but she turns on the kind grandmother role of, oh, don't worry about that, darling, go get us some ice cream. Bye-bye! I wonder if the gift shop has ice cream. Yeah, woo! She has this big ecstatic smile that immediately drops as soon as the grandson's back is turned, and then she goes back to grilling this guy, and it's fantastic. This is what I want more of. I want more of, of, of this type of material, and to be fair, we get a lot of it during the episode, not just from Christian, but from Anderson Doors, Miller, Holden, Fred Johnson, like these people putting on these f- very thin veneers and then to reveal what their, their true motivations are, or at least relative true motivations. I thought this was one of the best scenes with Christian we've we've had in the in the show thus far. What do you think?
1: Yeah. Because it's her showing somebody honestly who she is and what her values are and we get the idea that all of this is her fighting Mm. her fighting for what she believes in and that she feels justified in all of these things and now knowing that It is also motivated by personal revenge Mm. adds another interesting element. Uh, Looking back on things and the way that people questioned her particularly Mm. when it came to the OPA and the fact that that was shadowing a lot of those characters' thinking in those conversations with Christian Mm. and how... It's not just her in this conversation that drops the facade, because then he follows suit.
0: It deepens those scenes in her house where she's just sitting by herself and she has all of these family photos around. We saw one of her son, uh, I'm thinking, in the second or third episode. And so it gives her more nuances in those quiet scenes and... Uh, It makes you think back to where we've seen her before. And like you mentioned, her being in charge of the interrogations against the OPA now have a new wrinkle to it. Because what's revealed is her son was killed by the OPA at some point. Uh, Aaron Wright reprimands her yet again. He, He comes in and says, hey, this guy told me you tried to blackmail him so that you can get his spy. You can't do that. All right. I know Fred Johnson is a complicated figure. Do you think I'm happy with him being out there doing what he's doing? He's also, I like this touch of, he's also ripping off the Mormons. That's just a nice detail. Like he's really ripping them off real good, but hey, whatever. And uh, Erin Wright does bring up that, is this personal? And she says, yes, it is. Of course it is. Of course it is. But I like how what we know of her and that performer, it comes across to me that all of her actions aren't just motivated by must-get revenge about my son's death.
1: it's It's a factor. It's a slice, but it's not the whole.
0: That's what I really like about The Expanse. You have multiple characters like that, where it's like, oh, you get told this important piece of backstory. That's just another piece of the pie, rather than that's the whole pie, And I really liked Aaron Wright's uh, acting that as Sean Doyle does a really marvelous job of when pointed out about how the OPA have stealth technology, they are stoking something out there. You had this moment of like hesitation from Aaron Wright because he's grilling her about these things. But at the same time, well, if they're out there, if they're out there moving pieces about like this, we have to do something. And She even points out, I think she does or he does, one of them point out that the Mormons are out there building a big spaceship. I mean, they're funneling a lot of funds to that. So the idea, and this is brought up by multiple times in the episode, but the idea of if the Mormons can funnel money into making a big spaceship, other people can funnel it into making stealth ships. And so it is really tying into what I was theorizing about in previous episodes with you about how doesn't necessarily have to be a government in charge of this. It could be a loan group. It could be the OPA. It could be a corporation. It could be the Mormons, you know, it could be any factor outside of just the military. And so that makes this a really deadly conflict because anyone could be doing this.
1: Yeah. And it makes it feel even more likely that it's just humans we're dealing with mm. as well.
0: Yeah, I don't know if this is a world with aliens in it. I don't know. I, I don't want them. We've been so human-centric. It would be weird to meet a bloopy-bloppy alien who's got, like, the big black eyes and the round head. I, I don't know. I just, I fear that, but I don't know. Because yeah, I that not feel like crap. it
1: would align with what they're trying to do because their themes are so focused on humanity. And the divisions within humanity that I don't think they need that added Mm. complication almost to those themes by adding in that because
0: then we might get a we all unify against. Oh, yes, a Watchmen type deal. Do you think that, uh, because she does pressure Aaron Wright to get the wheels in motion for the spy to happen, she does pressure him in, at least she gives us that inclination it could be, do you think the guy in the bar that was spotting uh, Holden and Naomi with his weird cybernetic eye, do you think that's the spy? Do you think that's a spy that's transmitting back to the powers over at Earth?
1: maybe i just I, I took it more as he's a spy for somebody be it for Earth or just or for fred just keeping an eye on the or the on opa the crew. um yeah or they are uh, opa as a larger organization branch or
0: yeah we learned that they're everywhere in yeah. this episode They've got a lot of fingers and many different pies. I took it as it's the spy that they're talking about.
1: Yeah, that would make sense for them to tie that together. But because we got no confirmation, I just went, what can I see rather than what can I infer? Because yeah. I'm like, I don't want to... Like, the, the show was very attentive to details. It has the books to go off of. But I still am not at that point where I fully trust it to be that logical because mm. I've just I've been hurt before.
0: Where did Star Trek Discovery hurt you, Rachel? Show us on this doll. Yum yum. Holden and the crew meet up with Fred Johnson at a uh, Tycho station, and uh, they have a face to face. And it was one of the greatest scenes in the show. It was, I I love Fred it was Johnson. Fun. I love Fred Johnson. He is a boss. He's in charge. He calls their bluff. They try to bluff that they have all of these Martian
1: soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. He would be in charge of the UN Marines.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. That's that, dude. He's a soldier, and that comes up a lot during the episode, Uh, and it makes it very – it makes him a character that is one to keep an eye on because he keeps flicking between what he is oh i'm no longer a soldier i'm a broker of peace and treaties i'm a man of redemption oh i'm just a part of the opa oh i'm just a foreman trying to help the mormons like oh it always, i Oh, know
1: i'm just like but it he's, always keeps he's changing all of those things but and he puts he switches what face you see depending on what he wants and what he needs and what the situation requires of him
0: uh the soldier is the most like the one that runs through him the most i would say he very much has that presence and that mentality of command and this is how things must work and this is how they go and you are are going to do what I need you to do because that's how it works. The hierarchy, the chain of command. But there is no chain of command for you, Johnson, you're no longer in that realm, but he still makes it for himself. He
1: applies that to the structure of the OPA as mm. well. Uh like you just get this sense that he sees himself as a major
0: Yeah. As like, like one of the core members.
1: Yeah. Like he's not in charge, but he's in the
0: upper realms he's indispensable which is ironic considering how fred uh, how anderson Dawes views people as indispensable as people who should sacrifice themselves at a moment's notice and uh i don't know if fred johnson thinks in that exact same way but it doesn't come across like that to me the conversation between him amos and uh Holden was was wonderful. He he called Holden uh uh he, he, like the luckiest dipshit in the galaxy. I mean which... he totally is.
1: He totally is. Holden just keeps on lucking out and it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's one of the reasons why we keep on being like, oh my god, stop being such a protagonist, Holden.
0: <laughs> Fred Johnson, uh, Cole's holding out for the piece of crap. He he can see who you are. He knows what Amos is all about. He broke him down very easily, and Amos tried to resist that. No, I'm not like that, but you could tell in those eyes that it cut to his core, and we learn a bit more about that in the episode, but... That standoff there, so many pieces of emotion being played with from the actor of Fred Johnson. He really is trying to keep that composure, but you can tell he wants to just snap and hurt them right then and there, and he's playing a game just like Christian. He even says, there's nothing wrong with being a pawn, Holden, you just have to be on the right side, that's all. And what a line, huh, Rachel? What a line. There are so many lines like that in this episode. Uh, we learn that Fred Johnson was behind the Scopuli in some... Scopuli? Scopuli? I always forget which way it's pronounced. But he was behind that ship. He he was the one that got that together. He was aware of Julie Mao and Anderson Dawes and uh, this, this caper that they were going to go on to go steal this stuff over here. And he needs his inside man on that he needs his connection this this figure whose name was i can't remember they had some very silly ludicrous lionel
1: poloski
0: or uh, polanski. Uh, polanski yeah uh yeah why not and he needs this figure because they will have answers they will have details and Fred Johnson is all about knowing things. He's not going to make a move unless he knows what's ahead of him. Hence, this conversation in the first place with Holden exists where, okay, you're going to play games, little boy, or are we actually going to do this properly? Because I don't have time for this. He's very much a character who, when you're talking, he's looking at his watch, counting down how long you're going on for. That's the type of man Fred Johnson is. And so he needs to get this, and so he needs their ship. And Holden, being the main character, volunteers himself. He says, hey, trust me. I have no reason to trust you, Fred. Uh, Everyone says this about Fred Johnson, and we see it in the episode. There's no reason to trust Fred Johnson. Naomi just keeps on calling him
1: Butcher, or the Butcher, Mm -hmm. throughout the whole thing but I don't think she does it to his face.
0: No, they don't have many conversations, but they do have a past. You can you can sense that in yeah. as an exchange with her that very much, I guess, yeah. indicates that. We already have a feeling I'll that I'll give she, you a name. I'll give you a name when I get it. Uh, we have that indication from the, from the last episode with her assumed history, presumed history with uh, Anderson Station. Yeah, So
1: and um, of course the fact that the Martians fingered her for being an OPA,
0: mm-hmm, which may still be on the table. Uh, especially with how Fred Johnson relates to her, yeah. just more casually than he does with anyone else. But what do you-
1: I think? I really hope there is some importance to the tattoos that
0: she has that matches Anderson's scars. Yep. Yeah. So for Holden, he has a conversation with Fred Johnson to convince him that he should be allowed to go on this mission and Holden we know is motivated because he feels guilty about this entire thing because him send him going like him letting the distress signal through means that they had to go through all of this and he feels it's all on his shoulders and so he's going through this extra mile to Continue on to, to oh, I'm going to separate myself from them and help you guys out because okay. I think this is still on me because I went to the Scorpio and then this happened and this happened and then this happened. I have a gripe. Go ahead.
1: I am over. I'm over this. I get why they do it. I get why it's probably going to keep on happening. But I'm tired of holding Saying, when this all blows over, or when this is all done, shut the fuck up. I don't need this. I don't want this. I don't care. I know that nothing, like, this is a train that's a going. Mm -hmm. There's not getting off.
0: Yeah, I I agree. But he keeps on being like, when all this blows over, what are you going to do? And it's just like. If they live, if he was a more charismatic character, you wouldn't care. If he was Mal Reynolds, if he was Sheridan, yeah. you wouldn't care. No, but the thing but, is, yeah. Holden. And I'm not saying I'm not saying the actor. The actor's fine. Holden the character is so milk toast, man, that when he was having the conversation with with Fred Johnson. Fred Johnson's been so in charge and the in the show has been very let's be let's use the statement realistic to the best of its abilities how with characters interact like anytime Chris Jen tries to do something shifty the UN finds out about it and grills her ass for it so when Fred Johnson's having a conversation with Holden a man he barely knows and all he knows about him is he's a troublemaker and also a valuable piece of like ev- like a uh, valuable piece in his game to play with uh because he's going to use Holden to get him in conversations with the UN again Holden has to and the writers have to convince us as well as Fred Johnson that he should be allowed to go on this mission that could risk his life and the saddest part is you don't believe it, and so uh, like because Holden's so, so just dry, yeah, that and, it made Fred and Johnson like, unbelievable in that scene, like I went, why would you agree to that, Fred?
1: yeah, uh, like there are some moments where of the writing where it's just like, wow that 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 that's a great thing right there, and then there's ones where it's just like, oh, you had to snip through that Mm. like it's not quite cutting a corner but sort of a
0: similar thing it's a contrivance to me
1: yeah um not just like but i didn't really care about the fact that holden got to go right i was i was like as soon as we entered this bargain i knew that that was gonna how be how it ended up Mm. what i was frustrated with like, the particular contrivance that annoyed me was him just going, you drive a hard bargain, and Alex and Naomi being, you got got our statements, we're going withholding. Yeah.
0: The thing is, if those characters, if we got to see their conversation with Fred Johnson, I would believe it because I find them to be... More gritty characters where they could have a gruff, to like uh, like heart to heart and uh, wheeling and dealing conversation with Fred Johnson, the butcher of Anderson Station, and they could get this end result. And I would nod along, going, "Yeah, that was that made sense." But when it's Holden, I don't know. He's the type of guy that I just. I, I don't know why anyone listens to him and i don't know why anyone wants to talk to him other than the narrative keeps saying that they do and this was one of those where we're getting to a certain end and i don't mind where we're going towards I, i'm excited to see how this all pans out but i just wish that the lead-in to it was from a character that i believed a bit more than i do holden i'll pick up your operator You're too valuable as a witness if you get killed the other three saw just as much as i did They'll stay and be your witnesses. We'll all give sworn statements. I'm sorry, I can't do that. We're going to be spending a lot of time staring at each other across the dock out there. You and I both want the same thing: to do right by our people. What does he do, Rachel? What does he What does he tell the tell oh, the class? He
1: he reveals that he's the one that let the message through, which. It makes sense that he opens up about that because he is feeling extra guilty and he has that. That's part of his scene with Naomi at the bar as well. Yeah, later on when he's,
0: you know, after everyone's blown up at him. Yeah. Yeah, they blow up at him, of course. Amos is very pissed off about this. Uh, Alex is not impressed at all he even has the last word on it, word on it of you should have said something uh, very bitterly he says that to Holden yeah it's a scene that works because I actually care about what the others think and more importantly how they reacted to Naomi knowing about this and not saying anything about it at all at any point and what did you? I mean, tell us your thoughts and feelings about uh, Amos's reaction to the information and to how Naomi knew.
1: I adored it.
0: I adored me.
1: it. Uh, specifically, like when, um, like he he's pissed off, but then he hears a look and like his puppy dog expression when he gets like his heart wrenched out mhm when she says i knew mm mm-hmm. mhm and i thought the his line was perfect when he's like uh, you didn't tell me cuz you were scared of me yeah and he walks out yeah and it it, it's so hard to believe in those moments when somebody finds out something and it crushes them it crushes them and that kind of moment can also destroy a relationship because his trust
0: in her is destroyed because she didn't trust him. She was not even trusting of him. She was what he feared, which is the one person that I have connected with, the one person who doesn't see me as just a monster, the one person that I can open myself up to is afraid of me, is afraid of what I can do, is like everyone else, because he has been very much on her side. He backs her up at any point, and now he realizes she doesn't do the same for him. She's not backing him up. She's not on his team. This isn't reciprocal. This isn't, yes, this is being reciprocated. And
1: then the spiral of questioning how much of their relationship was a manipulation. And then I think he falls back into old patterns when he's at the bar
0: Mm -hmm. with
1: Alex of he's trying to read people. He's trying to help people. He's trying to... Remind himself that he is a good person,
0: and yet he's also playing up the "I'm a tough guy." Yeah. Hey, I'm not interested, buddy. Uh, actually, hey, come here. That guy's going to threaten the, you with a knife. Hey, Alex, here's some money. Go have sex. You've the earned it, Mister. Wounded,
1: wounded nature.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: that shines through in a lot of things, and it's a lot of layers for a side character to have
0: Hmm. six episodes into a show. Holden's revealing of the secret, whatever. I couldn't care about that. Uh, Even how Alex and Amos reacted to him, it wasn't really anything worth sinking your teeth into, but the the Naomi part of it, yeah. I really wasn't expecting that to be as hard-hitting as it was, and that no. twist of him getting hurt by that and becoming almost like a child because of it, I, I, I was really blindsided by that, but I was so happy to see it because it was a nuance that could have easily been skipped. And the other thing I was happy about, and I mentioned this in a recent discussion, maybe the last one, about how Amos, they they respect the character enough yeah. to make it when he's emotionally in turmoil and he's been wounded by his... Closest friend, the po- the person he may- maybe even loves, he doesn't become just a rationally angry and broody man and no. like oh, violent and whatever no. because that's the it's heart of the... more sophisticated pro- th- than that. It's more sophisticated than, than that. And also, that's at the heart of the problem, right? Like, he. He Mm -hmm. thinks, oh, she sees me as that. And narratively speaking, it would be so simple for the writers to then have it be, well, oh, I will be that then. You think of me like that, then I am Dargo from fucking Firefly at the start. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: We saw him being like, I'll fucking kill whoever did this. So like, it's not like her fears were invalid.
0: No, but... She, but, does, she yeah,
1: it's more complicated than that. And I can officially say mm-hmm. I really
0: like Amos. Sorry, I couldn't hear you. I really like Amos. Uh, I thought I heard Amos in there. <laughs> so You probably did. I did. Don't worry, Naomi's clouding your judgment with how to say the name because she she pronounces it two ways. I've heard her do it both ways. Pick a lane, lady. But I, I totally agree. It makes Amos such a, a valuable character to to the series with how they keep not giving you what you think you ought to get from him, but giving you something better than that. He could easily live in the lane of the hot head who's the hot guy with the big muscles and when we're in trouble send him in to beat them up or he's the master with weapons and crap like that but no he's sensitive he he does have emotions even though he is emotionally stunted as a person you would very much describe him as sociopathic in many ways because of just how he views life and death and violence in just very uh simple ways but he has a point of view when we hang out at the bar we, we do get a point of view of how he looks at people that he does look through people like they are individuals that are just in a room and you mark down how much of a threat they are. This person has a weapon. And so they're a threat and this person is unaware. So they're a victim. And so we hear about his upbringing and how he grew up in areas like this bar and this strip club and this joint. And it makes sense. And even Fred Johnson points out, like, I've had many soldiers like you, these poor broken boys who grew up starving and poor and stri- struggling, and now they've become men. And I think that perfectly sums up the Amos character. And I said to you in a, in, a, in a recent discussion as well that you're a big fan of when Alex and Amos are hanging out, and you said to me, oh, when does that even happen? We get like two seconds of that each episode, and then this is a storyline where the whole story is they hang out at a bar." And talk. And I loved it. What do you think about Alex's background? We've had hints of it, uh, but now we're getting more of an open discussion about his Martian life and yeah. family background. Yeah, and that he
1: used to have a wife. Mm. We don't know how that
0: ended. I assume they're dead. Uh, the wife and the kid. Yeah, Just the I way he do. looks. At, <laughs> the way he holds on to that photo. Yeah,
1: and puts it up each time he goes out. The
0: way he strokes that ring. The yeah, fact he still has a ring. Yeah, you don't usually keep that if you're divorced. No,
1: not unless it wasn't amicable. Mm. But mm. yeah, uh, the fact that he he didn't say, and I still have a daughter, uh, which would be you know the trite thing to say if mm-hmm. that came up of, like, I used to be married, still have a daughter, don't get to talk to her much, mm-hmm. that kind of thing would be a very obvious way to do it, but um they're either avoiding that because they're both dead or we're going to get a little bit more information. Either way, actually, we'll get more information about mm-hmm. what happened to his wife, and we're assuming his daughter. In the
0: what did you think of his big photo? What did you think of his big speech? His he's big very reply. Sweet. I really liked that.
1: Um, I think a lot of people can relate to his statement about how when he's out at work, he can't wait to get home, but when he's at home, he can't wait
0: mm-hmm. to
1: get back to work. Mm. Because he really loves his job, but he really loved his wife. Uh. Uh, And the conflict within that is very interesting.
0: All I could dream about is getting back out here. Big Brass said I didn't have what it takes
1: to fly them badass gunships. I'll tell you one
0: thing. Flying the Rocinante back there, that was just about best feeling i've ever had he's not threatening when he's angry like when he says shit to holden i just go ah alex you're all right though like you're not really angry and teaming him up with amos what do you think about this this pair because on the surface I don't know if they seem like the most exciting duo to team up with, but anytime they are there, I, I, I light up a, a bunch. What do you think about them as a duo?
1: Yeah, I really like it too because they have, they're similar in their situations, at, but they're very different people, but they find common ground. And I buy them connecting more than I buy Naomi and Holden connecting, mm. but I don't exactly know why.
0: Because there's not an obvious hetero romance in the air. Maybe,
1: maybe, maybe that that that's part of it. That's probably part of it. But
0: you're not shipping Naomi or, and Holden.
1: No, don't don't give a rat's ass. But. Um don't want Naomi with Amos because he deserves better.
0: And Holden doesn't deserve any.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um He's still
0: mourning his girlfriend. Yeah. He knew he, he hoped he, to get
1: a nuke. He's still dreaming about what she was going to say.
0: <laughs> I actually really like the
1: um, Holden
0: and Naomi scene.
1: Yeah, like I I I like that I liked that they were just doing a bunch of shots together and um, joking around, I think with Alex and Amos, Amos stuff, I really understand that kind of workplace friendship, mm. and I, I I like seeing that on screen and the way that they just kind of get each other, but they're probably, like, they're not going to they wouldn't talk to each other if they didn't work
0: together <laughs> yeah even now they're they're comrades in arms because they're pissed off about holden and naomi i really like there was this moment and you said yeah well what did he mean by that like why is that here when amos was talking about growing up in a place like this and uh and alex re- retorted about oh you 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 must have had a great time you must have loved it and he's like it must well. have been like a puppy with two dicks. Yeah, and 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 then the uh, Amos responds to that and goes, "Oh, I didn't mean it like that." And it's like, "What did you mean it like?" And it's like, "Yeah." And what I really liked about that was it was the it was the it was the type of awkwardness that you have in the real world and doesn't feel crappy real like me as an audience i'm actually cringing because that's bad writing like when star trek discovery does it where tilly will say something hello awkward and now the room's gone quiet and they go "Ooh, tilly mm, boy that was weird that didn't have that mode to it that did feel like a conversation you would see two friends having at a bar and that gets slipped out there and then maybe one of them would laugh at it, how absurd that was and they would move on it was a neat little touch, and I think it added uh, so much to their relationship. Just that exchange there really cemented their friendship for me. The Naomi and Holden scene, where they're commemorating to Shed and making jokes and even uh, toasting to the fallen Martians that were helping them, and Naomi pauses about that and has some, you know, cutting statements to make, but she still makes them because. They weren't nice to her. They treated her like garbage, and they were going to pin it all on her. So, of course, she isn't going to just be happy-go-lucky. But they did save their lives. They did do the right thing in the end. But I really like the exchange about how, Holden, you're the hero man. Of course you came back for me. And he tries to do the, well, you would come back for me, yes? You would have come (laughs) back for me.
1: Oh, no, 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 sorry. (laughs) again pulls on color pull, natural
0: acting from naomi when she says this there's laughter she's stumbling over the words and then when she says the truth she just blurts it out just very upfront and frank it doesn't feel scripted because this could be a very scripted moment of like this is really what naomi like like she would have left you for dead because she cares about herself but it's It does come across as two people at a bar talking to one another, and she's had a couple, and she just says, yeah, I would have left you with all those bullets flying around. Are you kidding me? Of course. I just really liked how natural it felt. And even though I'm not necessarily head over heels with the idea of these two romantically being paired together, the actors have good chemistry, so I'm not opposed to it as much as I previously was, but... Uh, I'm fine with it. I mean, do you have any other statements about their scene? I just really like how lots of
1: scenes in this episode have such honesty and authenticity to them, Mm. and that's really making me appreciate how well the characterization is knitting together now, because for almost every episode I've been like, Yeah, but I don't give a shit Mm. Uh, about these characters. And now I'm like, oh, I do have, I'm catching feelings. I'm catching catching feelings. Like, I have feelings for Amos. Definitely. Hands down, it's going to be hard for me not to say that he's
0: a favourite. Yum yum. Oh, yeah.
1: Every episode, I think. Um, He's
0: very sexy. yeah.
1: Yeah. Even even if he does something awful, I'm probably gonna still be like, he got though. Um, and I like I I like Alex. Mm. Um, I still, I I don't care about a lot of the other characters, but I get them. Yes, which does make me care about them in a way. I don't I don't in- invested feel, to see how they will go yeah. in the story at least. I'm like okay you're 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 doing things you're affecting the plot mm. you're having a life like they feel like they're living their lives it's gotten to that point
0: for me this is an important episode because we are finally getting to have those moments of connectivity because I stated it when they finally got on the ship it felt like a big deal like oh the pilot is finally over now we can get to the actual meat and potatoes of a show and that's what we're getting here where this here would be like like a second or third episode of something like Farscape where it's like now the crew are together they have to start getting along and they actually have to start knowing each other and having scenes together where it isn't just about running away from the overarching plot and so when they come together as a crew at the end after they've been separated for the episodes or reflecting upon what they've learned and getting to know each other more when they come together at the end and i mean i really liked how holden i adored this holden is giving coffee to people and he gives he's extending it out to amos and there's a moment of pause between the two of them and yet amos you can see it he swallows his pride he swallows whatever resentments he has accepts the cup, cup of coffee, and gives a little smile. And he seems good. And we're moving forward. We're moving like, forward.
1: I, I haven't fully forgiven you, but I'm sticking this out.
0: He's not just being a jerk because, well, if you write a jerk character or a crew of jerk characters, then you have drama Ooh, it's dispensing with that. Maybe we'll pick it up again. Maybe we won't. But in this moment here, I can end the episode being happy that we have a ship full of people who are... Almost friends, meaning that they can become friends during the course of the adventure we're going to follow the first five episodes it was so go go, go that we didn't have time for that. Now we have more time for that. I'm just salivating over it i i I've had some qualms with the with Holden as a character, but honestly. The Holden material, like, when we cut over to his storylines, it is some of my favourite stuff that we've been getting. I mean, how do you feel just about that statement alone? It's been of just-
1: growing on me as well. Like, it, it is getting better now that we're out of that setup stage. But I am kind of nervous at the same time mm. because... It's a short season,
0: mm, halfway through just and over halfway through
1: there's so much setup up that's happened, and i'm like how how much is gonna get done? What are you gonna choose to do? Where is this going? I have so many questions, but I am also really interested to see if they manage to have a solid arc in this first season or mm. if it just feels like it's the first chapter, mm. not a a distinct thing on its
0: own. We have to find Julie Mao. By the end of the season, we have to know where she's at. That's the, that's the minimum they have to do to meet what you're talking about because that's the thrust of the so season. She's
1: Lionel, right?
0: Yeah, I but don't know. For some
1: reason, I thought that it must have been Julie just because of the way that they were talking about the survivor of the scopuli.
0: That is true, and we have to have Holden meet with this crew, so if this crew are looking for Julie as well, it that's how they converge. Because they have to meet. And talking about Miller, he's in the episode as well, and everyone- he gets tortured. Everyone, calm down. Put down your pitchforks. I liked Miller in the episode. I enjoyed his plot a lot. I, I liked it. I was happy. I was dreading it, uh, but I liked it. Thomas Jane was fantastic. Why did you go back to Julian Miles' apartment? I'm going to come clean. Embarrassing, but uh I really like her shower. It's great water pressure. So what do we get from this? What is... ...learned during the course of the Miller plot when it comes to the interrogation side of it, where he's getting interrogated, but in yeah. turn he's actually learning information.
1: Yes. So, he he's there, he's getting the crap beaten out of him by the underlings, both of whom get shot mercilessly by Moss, hmm But he's sort of trying to sniff out the truth slash aggravate them so he they drop his hat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't touch my hat.
1: No, no, you're feeling around the rim. Don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. I'm going to press this button.
0: Uh, press uh, this button hard. Or put the hat on. It's, your head will fit. Put it on. We know now that Julie Mao was in on it she knew like he, he, she isn't just this hapless victim in the way that she could have been she's very much an OPA member she's very much somebody who would have spat in Miller's face considering what he is that she is this defined person that she is what we were told in the previous one someone with strong ideals and is willing to to sacrifice themselves or willing to go to the end to fulfill on those convictions to follow through on them and anderson admires her and even like points out that she is a hero she is somebody to aspire to be she was an earther yet she was still a belter yet she was still an opa at heart and so she opened up a doorway for anderson doors to really look at people even more so as being those yearning for that freedom, he apparently is trying to give everyone... And
1: apparently they're really close to independence.
0: Yes. And uh, he finds out why, and this is the thing I want to know your your opinions on, because you didn't react at all when we watched it, but I know you have opinions because, well, it's about Miller. You're doing the case, Miller, because you've fallen in love with her, of course. That's why you're doing this. Oh. I should have seen it from the beginning.
1: Yeah. What what what, what are you what do you want me to say? I was thinking that episodes
0: ago. <laughs> yeah, but now it's now it's in the text.
1: Now it's in the text. I'm uh, like, okay, can we just move on from it then? Like, or are you going to keep on doing this uh, femme fatale noir detective undertone overtone thing with this plot?
0: You you don't like him being motivated to do the cop case because he's fallen in love with the girl in the picture?
1: No, I I don't care. I don't care. It feels default that he does it's just like oh he's invested in her well-being and he's he's grown to care about where she is because you have to develop some kind of relationship to be motivated in the way that he is so it makes sense that it's like oh he's in love with her yeah and he's a fuckwit so yeah he probably is
0: You're not a big fan of Miller, are you? Nor am I.
1: I liked him enough in this episode. he's, he's, He's a sloppy person.
0: I thought that reveal was one where I go, yeah, obviously, this is what you do, and it's been pretty apparent, but thank you for saying it out loud in the show. I'm glad that we can move on from it, like you're saying. And I think the episode goes on further to humanize him while still playing around with the detective tropes but they have more room and this is what i really appreciated about the miller plot is they had more time given to letting thomas jane embody the character through those trappings of the genre through the trappings of the of the of the tropiness. And let me believe him more to have these little touches that the actor can give us rather than the script. So we can go through what Miller's stuff is and say, oh, when you when you read it on paper, that sounds like it matches up with all the previous critiques you've had, Ryan. But the thing is, when you watch the scenes... There's just more time given to Thomas Jane being able to express things in a way that makes it feel more alive. Because in the other episodes, it really didn't feel like he got to shine as much. It was more about Havelock and Anderson Doors. And yes, Anderson Doors, Jared Harris is doing a lot of monologuing here, but Thomas Jane gets a lot to react off of and monologue himself about. And I think that... Uh Miller through the interrogation because he's trying to be deceitful, but also Anderson is saying some really tough things to hear. We're seeing a larger range of emotions from Miller rather than just stoic, snarky guy who couldn't give a fuck. Like when it's revealed about the you love her, the look on Thomas Jane's face had so many things going through it, and then when he just defaulted to yeah. It it was really well done. So I'm endeared more to Miller now than I have been in the previous ones, and I put it down to the scenes allowing us to get more work from the performer rather than what the writing itself is doing. The, yeah. Again, it's not giving me groundbreaking moments like I feel like I get from Christian or or Fred Johnson or Amos, but they're giving me like enough of the things I know, but more material for Thomas Jane, the actor, to spin it into something that I find to be far more tasty to eat at, like eat upon, than just what I was getting before, which felt like heated leftover, reheated leftovers. For you, I mean. This episode did have a lot of Miller focus and it's propelling forward a lot of the work he's been doing. Did you feel any different about him here than in the previous ones at all? Or do you just feel the same dismissiveness towards him? Like,
1: I care about him more at the end of this episode than I did at the start. But I'm still, like... The with the exception of Christian, right? Uh two male leads, mm. right? We have Holden, we have Miller. I am interested in them for the role that they play in their stories still. Mm. That I don't care about them as people. Mm. I I'm growing to care about them more. Um, and Miller is ahead in the polls compared to Holden. Okay. Um, but it's just like, yep, okay, he's doing things, things are happening to him. Uh, Like I never felt like he was in danger of actually being killed, really. I was just like, oh, they're taking him to the same spot where he almost killed that other dude. Also from The Big Empty, right?
0: No, that was the first episode. Was that the first that episode? That was literally the first episode. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's
1: near the end of the first episode because you yeah. see. Yeah, but it was ironic. That, yeah. yeah,
0: it was ironic that he had to go through what he put others through.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, And the I'm watching him <laughs> um, go through the emotions tied to that was really great. You and me the same. First shot. I killed him, all right. But it wasn't the blood or the iron smell of it that got me. I was there, a little girl in the
0: window, watching me.
1: I really connected with that scene. And I was really appreciating the actors' performances, I want to go over a line and then give particular snaps to a moment, Um, both having to do with the acting, because when he's trying to give advice and it's just like... Shit? you Wait wait, what?
0: <laughs> yeah, he's giving a, it seems like he's going to give a really, like, solid, this would be the swelling music, the camera spin, this is the, the fortune cookie advice of what to do, and you go, oh, that's brilliant. But like, instead he gives a really your, horrifying advice. Your
1: best and worst memory are your biggest, biggest delusions. And I'm like, but... He's not entirely wrong either. Like, oh, yeah. It's so frustrating in a very particular way. Of course of, he has this worldview. Like, yeah, but also, like, you've taken the science <laughs> and you, you made it into this other thing that kind of distorts
0: mm-hmm. the
1: thing but is still kind of the thing
0: and isn't that him with the case where he's got this image of the girl he's made up in his brain and the more he learns about her the less it lines up with what he thinks but it still doesn't get in the way of his pursuit of this girl that he loves
1: yeah like he knows that Uh, fantasies, for better or worse, are delusions.
0: Mm. I just think when I say, of course he has this belief, because you go, oh, of course he does, because he's dysfunctional as a man. He doesn't care for himself and he doesn't care for others. And so when he says this to her and she calls it out as terrible advice and he laughs it off going, yeah, it probably is, it's one of those moments where I I I I cheer going, oh, finally. Finally a brilliant little moment of insight into Miller that isn't just And it feels very normal cop shit
1: to him. Yeah. It's like no other character in the show would say that line and believe it like he does.
0: And I'm a sucker for this, but the guy who comes across as a sleaze bowl to begin with, but when the when that opportunity to have gone full sleaze bowl happens and and they don't do it. And they do something better than that. Because she she leans in to kiss him. She's obviously highly emotional. She's drinking. And he turns away. Doesn't even acknowledge that the kiss was going to happen there. He just moves on and says, we're getting to the job now. That's
1: the moment that I really wanted to praise and give snaps
0: for. Snap, snap, snaps, everyone. If you're jazz people, we do snap, snaps. (laughs) Band and snap. The...
1: We almost had a moment scene is in so many shows, Mm. so many shows. It's also in a lot of movies, but dang, it happens so much in shows Mm
0: -hmm.
1: because they do a lot of will they, won't they in television because they need
0: constant
1: drama. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've believed in that so much Mm. and it's because of the way that the actors play it and you look at them and you're seeing both of them embodying these different people at this specific point and their reactions and there's so much in it that you get to see and it makes them really come alive rather than you seeing the writing on the page, which is it like those kind of moments are a super hard sell, and this one really worked for me.
0: I'm invested in their relationship because they clearly should not be together. And, and yet- they both
1: acknowledge that, but they're attracted to each other mm. they know that they should respect these boundaries but there's something there's a connection to them to each other and they are like
0: they're pulling they're and flirting pulling with at
1: disaster it. they both know that
0: what yeah my statement was going to just be as simple as they should not be together yet they they ought to, because they're the only people who know each other fully. She is the only one who actually knows Miller and he's the only one that actually knows her in return, like you said they're they're flirting with disaster there that this could go wrong they're, but they're they're
1: dysfunctional in the way that they know each other mm-hmm. so well because like a part of that is the um. Like they know each other through work, and there was initially a power imbalance, and now that power imbalance has shifted, right?
0: So, I can't believe that we couldn't have just had this be the relationship from the very uh, beginning, yeah. rather than wasting time with Havelock being the person he talked yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, this uh, could go, have been more expanded Shoe upon Havelock, during. Please don't come back. Uh, like because this is great. Like more of this makes me want more of Miller because yeah. they, they, the the two characters work really well together. Those actors are really but really good it's together as well.
1: A juicy storyline that they're building up, and I just was amazed by them in that scene
0: my advice is you just forget it make yourself forget it
1: appreciate that what a terrible
0: advice anderson doors gives us a lot to really think about and mull over uh miller points out that you are this man who wants freedom, but if you're in charge, you want independence, but only if you're the governor of that independence, you, won't be willing, you wouldn't be willing to step aside for that. You talk about the holiness of your cause and the righteousness of it, and yet you are in the making of a dictator, basically, and you create your mythos. You spin your web, you tell people different versions the of, death your of your story. Sister
1: who's named after a Greek goddess.
0: <laughs> Talking about acting. Jared Harris. Oh, uh, I mean we know he's a great actor, but this is when they finally let him off the fucking chain. They finally let him off the fucking chain mwah. in this one.
1: They just they let him have it. They're like, "Okay, okay, this scene, this scene, it's all yours, baby." It's all yours. Have at it.
0: This is a scene Chew on this really
1: juicy bone of a monologue.
0: This is a scene where no, Anderson no, no. This is a scene where Anderson Dawes puts on his a sous chef outfit because he's gonna make us a fucking meal out of this scene. We get his monologue, right? We get his story and He tells us about how his sister died and how he had to let her die. How he killed her. How he killed her. He killed her for the
1: betterment of his whole family.
0: but, But he makes sure to get the record straight of, oh, people believe that, oh, it was some accident and I let her go and all of that. No, that's not the case. Here's the story, okay? And he lays it out and he lays it out of how just matter of fact it is because when you're living... In a hellscape like this, with poverty being the thing that you're drowning in and no support and you are just left to fend for yourselves, there comes a point when you're like that. As somebody who also grew up poor and in a rural town that is very lacking in support, there does come a time when your mentality sets into this is how it is. These are the steps you must take to move forward. And if things are weighing you down, you must sever those. Now, I'm not going to be saying I'm as extreme as Anderson does, no, but like, if you were in you a scenario like... the
1: thinking.
0: Yes, and the feeling.
1: Yeah, and it's shifted to the extreme, which is one of the great opportunities of sci-fi as a genre.
0: Yes, and with the universe that they've set up, we've been very aware of Oh, there are belters and they have it tougher than everyone else. And see how we're seeing the rock ho- hoppers in the other plot have it as tough, This it's so tough that one of them kills himself to end this and the other one is left in the void of space to fend for themselves. Like, here's mm-hmm. Anderson Dawes' story. His sister had this brittle bone condition because of growing up in zero G and being in the belt and just what a fucking nightmare it is. Yeah. Even though she was this wonderful person, this great intellect, she was slowing them down because of just her physical limitations, and she was most likely going to die at some point anyway. It was inevitable with the circumstances that is built yep. for being on the belt itself. Even the travel bones will kill her like chalk, um,
1: and that like he's like she was smiled upon mm. by God in all of these ways. But because she was born into poverty, Mm. this idea that she was
0: always doomed. And that moment there made him what he is today, a man who realized that there are millions of us out there going through this, brothers and sisters who need to be free, need to not suffer this. And what was really great about, like, truly one of the best scenes of the show, Jared yeah. Harris makes you believe it. There was yeah. not a moment where I didn't think this is Anderson Dawes' real story, even though that is on the table because we we know he's deceitful. But the way Jared Harris brings it to life, you, you believe it. But what really, really made the scene for me was Miller undercutting it by pointing out that, yeah, okay, great, but... All of this death has followed you and the OPA, and yet it has never been you. You have never given your life. You have taken other people's lives for the cause, but you have never been willing to give it yourself. No. no you, and that shut Anderson Dawes' mouth. Yeah, he, there was that, nothing to reply with with no, that one.
1: Because he's not willing to sacrifice himself. He's willing to protect himself because... Miller's right. Mm. He wants to be the one in charge. He wants to be the one in control.
0: He's owed it.
1: But also you see that in the fact that he decided that his sister needed to die. Mm-hmm. He had three other sisters to think about. I think it was three. Mm-hmm no mention of his parents he took that responsibility he's in of, charge he took that ownership mm. over the situation and the accountability
0: that's it, the accountability to the, the guilt, the, it, the grief
1: and living with this pain I came to realise
0: that I have millions of brothers and sisters in the belt I even count you among them as I did, Julie and Arthur. So,
1: everybody dies for the cause.
0: Except for you. Miller's hat saves the day. He leaves, he, he gets saved. And he reveals that the hat did have the chip in it and they didn't find it. And like, how good was that? And the chip has very important information. And this ties together with Holden's story and with uh, with uh, with Johnson. And uh, I would also imagine, obviously, as well with what the Martians were talking about, which is the Phoebe station was experimenting on something. They had found something. They had stumbled across something they created, something unusual the theory is a bioweapon of some sort and so miller brings this back to the chief hey chief here it is and he plays the thing here's the tape of some guy talking about this and so and the opa got a hands on this information at some point and so the scopuli the scopuli was on its way to steal whatever this was at phoebe station to use it for their own means, because of course they would. And what the problem though there is, the, the powers of that is behind this grand conspiracy was either the people who made this bioweapon potentially or stumbled across this scientific thing and needed to hide this, needed to put this under wraps. And to do that, they needed to start a war yeah. to to make it so that no one was noticing what was happening in this dark little corner over here with the blue stuff. You're not going to know what we're no. doing over here because no, 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 no. we killed all the scientists no, no. and we killed Mm-mm. the the OPA Mm-mm. terrorists that were going to come steal it. And we started a war we with the Martians. We made the Martians look like they did it. So even if you did stumble across this, you would think it's the Martians who did it. Whatever fucking weird thing mm. that these people out in this corner made... Whether it was the it mustn't have like I don't know who I'm imagining it's a, a like a company like a corporation yeah probably I mean we only have one to go off of so mm. by deduction we would have to be Julie Mao's dad's company yeah. because he's the only one we know sadly yes. like we don't know any other companies and
1: the, that would like she's discovered she's discovered that and that's led her to to flee <laughs> that would be. Very logical,
0: yes, or it would motivate her to go on the ship in the first place to go to I the the place
1: have a question
0: yes i I want to know your question
1: which um so I, I gotta do a little bit of setup first. did the um so we see the chip mm-hmm. from Julie Mao's place. It's a fairly unique uh size and shape. Right, um, but it is sort of similar to the other ones that he found in the, um, data. Who's he? What's its lab? Yeah, yeah,
0: the, yeah. The, the the data collector guy. Yeah, the yeah. data
1: collector, yeah. Um, the net runner. But it did look really similar to me, to the sort of body cam or log uh, that Fred pulls from the dead Uh, Martian? Yeah,
0: from Lopez. Do you think... Lopez. Do you think it uh, it is linked? Well, yeah, because they were going to go to the Phoebe station, wasn't it? Or they had just come from there. And
1: they wanted to know what happened at Phoebe station. That was one of the questions that they kept on asking them.
0: Right. the way that
1: Fred touches, like, the gooey stuff Mm. on... The Martian. Uh, on Lopez's suit yeah. makes me think that he knows what that is as well because that freaked uh, everybody else out mm. in, like, the previous episode. So I wonder if it is, like, yeah. a sort of body cam
0: card yeah whether it is linking either way i think you're right that at least it ha- does have connection to the phoebe phoebe station out there yeah, like we the, know the, the we phoebe know that it, it
1: was from phoebe station it says phoebe on the bottom
0: yeah um, oh I, but i mean what fred johnson has yeah. i think that is you're probably right i didn't because i was one of those Ooh, i wonder what this is going to be but you're right now you think about it It did have a similar look to it. You, 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 I think you've nailed it there. Um, I'll be, you know, Rachel. Rachel nails it. Many people have been making comments on our Discord about how Rachel, we laugh because you, you got something right. Same with me about me mocking the Mormons, being like, why are they here? And then the next episode is like, I love them. (laughs) But uh, to no one's surprise, the OPA owned the cops, and owned Miller cops! and Miller's arre- uh Miller's fired. They should arrest him, but he's fired, kicked off the case. He, the chip is taken away and thrown well, into a vault. He was already
1: kicked off the case. As you yeah. pointed out to me,
0: that's why he. That's why even more why she's angry. And yeah, his boss, the chief, is an OPA lady. And uh, like
1: the little anarchy
0: you, tattoo, yeah, it's that the, guy's the, neck. That's the OPA tattoo, yeah. yeah. And um,
1: I, I just like, I like, I liked that. that. <laughs> just like, in case you were wondering, it's right there.
0: In case, because you said before that happened, well, how does he know she's OPA? She could be working for the evil, malevolent like organization that made the bioweapon. And then that happened. You're like, oh, no, it must be yeah. opiate. I guess Miller was right on this one.
1: Yeah. And, like, he was distrustful of taking it to the higher-ups when he didn't have anything. And then he immediately goes and It's just like, oh, this bitch is evil. Why are you
0: talking to her? You should have known she was evil. She has short hair. Short, dark hair. On our scale of yum being bad and yum yum being good, what would you rate rock bottom? Did it sink to the rock bottom of the sea or did it float all the way up to the top?
1: No. Uh, there was a lot to this episode. It was going at a breakneck speed. Yes. I was like, I, I almost, I was like thinking during the episode when um one of the times when we got like an extra 2 seconds cuz it was clearly like a a black cut for ads ads i was just like i kind of want to put this in the timeline in premiere pro and cut all of the scenes and average how long each of them are because it felt so quick It felt like we got exactly what we
0: needed. No fat, no fluff. Yet still enough time to have moments of pause. Yeah. That's the trick. Yeah. That's the trick. You still keep up the momentum you're talking about, but not sacrificing that.
1: When we were talking about the rock hoppers, that they are...
0: Breathers. Yeah. It's
1: more low-key than the other plots. So what do you give it? Yum, yum.
0: Yum, yum. I give this a yum, yum. Yum, yum. It, yeah, I've been enjoying the series more as it's going along. This was a definite improvement. More like this, where you can have all of the things. You can have your cake and eat it too. hmm Now, do you want to know what the title of the next episode is? We don't know what it's about. We're not going to read the description. No. We have not watched the series before, so don't spoil things for us, okay? Don't you come in here and tell me, oh, there's this fun little fact about like this relates to something in season four, or oh, don't give me the in the books it means this no, I don't know. I'm don't just don't watching the show.
1: Don't, uh, don't tell us anything about
0: actors and don't you tell me recast. Don't, don't don't you tell me if people get recast in this show? That's a spoiler for me, all no. right. I don't want to no, hear no. that. We're not we're not going to spoil that. But somebody told us a, a very sad piece of news about a certain actor that we love very much, and um, my heart is forever broken. But next time we'll be talking about windmills because obviously Don Quixote is a thing that keeps being referenced in this <gasps> show. So, oh, I windmills.
1: I, I also I didn't one, get to. Seven. S- I mentioned this, but I did not get to emphasize it as enough as I want it. But, oh boy, the names, the names in this show are so packed with meaning that whenever I think I'm about to forget that this is based on a book series, I get Punched in the face with that writer stuff
0: oh yeah it's very writerly oh his sister's name was a greek goddess and oh the name in the ship the don quixote thing and the episodes has don quixote references and it it does have that uh at times and like, it does the, have that sense of wankiness we also as we like to call it
1: didn't quite acknowledge the pun nature of the episode title for this one, and i just I just needed to say that out loud and have that on
0: record right you know are you gonna acknowledge any like you're gonna further that in any point you're gonna like get into more of what that punny nature is, or are you just gonna Oh, I thought it? you
1: were gonna take up that torch, but I'm okay, gonna... uh so we have the idea of. The belters are the rock bottom of the food chain, and they are collecting rocks.
0: Uh, Yeah, we have rock hoppers.
1: Yeah, and we have rock hoppers, rock bottom, and we have all of these like millers at rock bottom. (gasps) Oh yeah, Um, yeah. and Holden also feels like he's at at rock bottom because he's caused all of these deaths in these Mm. various situations. And they're all at this point where they're really low and they're trying to scramble their way out of them. Mm. And like Christian also plays into that, but not as much. Yeah. Like she's in a low point and we get an idea of the depth of her sadness through,
0: f- through, through the episode, yeah, uh,
1: the episode and them pointing out, uh, letting us know that her son has been murdered, murdered. by
0: the OPA, yeah,
1: possibly so- assassinated even.
0: Ooh, so that is all we have for you, people. Mm-hmm. Make sure to check out that episode in the meantime. Uh, you can follow us as well on your social media of choice under Yum Yum Pod or Yum Yum Podcast. If you support us on Patreon. That's where you know you can get so much content, including these episodes. We release our discussions about the expanse for our patrons first, and then for you on the main feed. So if you were hearing this on the main feed, you can come on over to our Patreon and get so many more episodes right now. If you're just itching to hear what we have to say about the next one, why don't you come over to our Patreon? You get to be a part of the group Discord, chat to fellow Yumlings. About all the wacky things we're saying on this podcast and you can have a bit of a chuckle and uh also just get that pleasure of supporting the podcast if not at least recommend us to all your friends and family and enemies out there anyone you know that is in the need of a science fiction television podcast show where they go through where we go through episodes of tv shows and review them hey recommend us to those people say hey there's this there's this podcast called yum yum podcast they'll say why yum yum oh let me tell you why yum yum but more importantly they're watching the expanse for the first time i know you love the expanse what the expanse they haven't seen it before yeah isn't that crazy well you better listen to them explain why they didn't see it properly the first time oh okay but they better like they better like uh chris jen oh let me tell you they love chris jen Uh, But that is all we have for you. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you all so much for giving us your time and your support. But until next time, I am going to just smile and nod about the fact that we at least got to hear the Gaunt Belter. Were you, Rachel, happy enough with hearing him, or did you want to see him?
1: I, I enjoyed the payoff of, like, Well, is he just speaking to these people? Where is this speaker connected to something else? He has a radio
0: show, Pirate Radio. He's that Nick Frost movie, uh, The Boat That Rocked, or Pirate Radio. That's him. See you then. Well, voila.